Hello and welcome to episode 25 of the Endurance Asia podcast. Uh, your host Scott Pugh here along with co-host Mr Rick Stockfish. How are you doing mate? This is uh, the first year anniversary of the pod and uh, what a strange time to be doing it. Yeah it is, 25 episodes in, in a year um, and it's been a, yeah it's definitely crazy times isn't it? It's just so, it's, so, it's a, a, a different kind of endurance test at the moment that's it that's it and uh so how's everything going your end though mate are you um are you still uh managing to to get some uh get some training done i know you've still yeah, been injured uh, right? it's kind of interesting right i'm uh, i'm trying to write a a post for linkedin all about it at the moment just how um i mean we talk a lot on the podcast about how running and, and training and, and endurance kind of bleeds over into the worlds of business and so on but this is a particularly interesting time because you've got to you've got to structure your time um you you've got to think you know we i've heard people talk about how this is like a race and we don't know when the start is we've got to get ready for the rebound it's a bit like uh it's a bit like barclay um and uh yeah it's just uh we're lucky i think in some respects in singapore we can still we can still get out albeit solo um but uh, it's just interesting following along online and seeing how it's how it's impacting different countries. You've got my brother in Spain who's not allowed out of the house for any kind of exercise, so he's busy on the uh, on the turbo trainer in the garden. Yeah, um, they've been doing six hundred dollar fine, six hundred euro fines, was it for anyone that's even yeah, ventured something outside? Like that. And I saw France. France has said you can't run outside, and then I think countries like uh, well, like here in the UK, I think there's a bit of a grey area and. and People are getting fined because they're they're pushing up against the the boundaries of what you are or aren't supposed to do. Yeah, I mean we're we're um, almost a week into the new circuit breaker, as they're calling it in Singapore, whereby you're uh, yeah they've closed down all shops and schools and everything now. And um, but I, I've uh, we both we live quite close to each other, sort of near to botanical gardens. And I don't know, have you been getting out on your runs? Yeah, still? I, mean, I know uh, you're still when I, when I can run adventure. Well, a little bit, but yeah, just just local runs and um, and slightly longer bike rides. But um, yeah, I I've don't know if you've people... noticed that, like the people that have never even laced up a pair of trainers are actually deciding they're uh, they're going to get out for runs. Which uh, I was trying to work out. That I was going on my usual run yesterday, and there must have been three times as many people yeah. that I'd normally see on my running route than I than I would normally. Part of me thinks it's actually a good thing that people are getting out running yeah. but i'm also worried that the sort of lockdown procedure in in singapore is going to be um yeah they're going to come up uh, a lot stricter well i see that in hong kong as well where they don't they don't have lockdown yet but um people complaining that there's still this big groups of people going out to exercise and not wearing masks and going to all the scenic spots and then the beaches and um yeah it feels like uh, probably only a matter of time before something similar to, to lockdown happens there yeah, well, in Hong Kong, they've reduced it to a maximum of four people together, haven't they? And, and they're down to single, low single digits of new cases every day, yeah. which 
which is worrying, right? Because it's kind of what happened in Singapore about, um, about a month, six weeks ago, where it was down to single digits every day. And everyone was like, oh, yeah, it's fine here. And people let their guard down. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it, uh, it kicks off. And so yesterday we had um, the... About 300 uh, something cases, right? Yeah, which, um, I mean, we're, I'm looking out to, to my swimming pool now and they've, uh, they've like taped around the swimming pool I don't know why they've had to do that. It's like, okay, you've let us know you don't need to swim. Just because you put a bit of red tape around it. It's like, now I'm definitely not going to swim. But before, I was ready to go and like smash out some laps. Um, uh, but yeah, quite a few people are sort of taking the quarantine into their own hands. There's, uh, there was the, the, the quarantine backyard that happened. It feels like about a year ago, but I think it was yeah. just last weekend, wasn't it? When was it? I actually well, yeah, it's, it's weird, right? Every day kind of bleeds into the next one at the moment, and it, it kind of feels simultaneously like every day and every week is incredibly long and, and kind of exactly like the week before at the same time. But yeah, there's, uh, there's quite a few people um, that, have been, uh, that have still been sort of smashing out their, uh, their exercises. I, I am kind of like bored of seeing certain people on Instagram and stuff that are like, showing their showing their work that all of a sudden turned into personal trainers um one one that i like will let off though is uh, is alessandro sherpa like because malaysia locked down earliest didn't they and yeah. um and and he was um he was like really a huge advocate of everyone sort of staying at home very early um but yeah he's like been smashing out jump rope for like doing it for like half an hour and on end which has been yeah, uh, yeah pretty crazy i think his, his messaging has been really good he's been saying that there's bigger things than running and you can you can put up with not being out and about for a few weeks guys and um yeah i think i think uh, he's got the right tone yeah one of the sort of as mentioned a moment ago though the um the um the backyard ultra um the or oh, the quarantine backyard ultra that was org um, that was organised. It was weekend before last. Was uh, did you watch any of it? it was, yeah, um, I, was, I was following along when I could. Um, and some we had some representatives from this side of the world in, in Will Hayward and Stephen Redfern and, and other kind of Hong Kong Four Trails alumni. Yeah, that's it. And um, and obviously, um, uh, Will Hayward's got um, has got a bit of a history when it um, when it comes to. Uh, to the backyard ultras having won the one in hong kong and got the golden ticket to um to uh bigs or like the i suppose the world champs of it and then in, in Laz, uh, lazarus lake's back backyard um yeah. and uh, and yeah so it was, it was interesting there wasn't it? I mean, there was like 1400 people that um that that ended up signing up um and uh, and it was a real mixture of people doing it from uh doing it from treadmills or if they're still able to go outside like finding routes outside um and it was uh yeah and all sort of published on on, on zoom as well it was uh it was pretty incredible to follow yeah and i think um i don't know if you saw the footage one of the um uh, i think uh, what's her name? i think it was anna carlson who was the the lady who came or was it the i mean there's there's no second place right in these backyards so she was the sort of the penultimate first DNF, DNF yeah. First, the, 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 the last but one DNF. Um, and she was running on like a frozen lake somewhere in Sweden. Um, yeah. It was amazing. Um, yeah, I think she came third, didn't she? Uh, or yes. third, as you say. Um, but, uh, but yeah, in, the, in like toughest conditions. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, it sort of it finished with pretty controversial. Was, um, Mike Wardian was the was the guy that was um, left. He was doing his outdoors, and then the guy that was doing on the um, the treadmill. I think it was Radic Radic um, Radic Brunner, um, and uh, and yeah, they they got to um, uh, like over over sixty hours. But yeah, I think that the rules in the backyard ultra is that they have to. Um, step out of the starting blocks within, I think in the back of the order, it's like within 10 seconds or within five seconds or something. It's like pretty strict. Right. But then they extended that as part of this because for those doing it on a treadmill, sometimes it can take about 30 seconds for a treadmill to actually um, start up. But apparently he was, um, there was just the two of them left and he was sort of like still there and hadn't started moving two minutes into it. And then, uh, and so the race directors disqualified him Um which uh, was somewhat controversial. Um, I suppose it was a bit of a uh, anti-climax finish. Um, but yeah, I don't, rules, I, don't rules. The, I don't know if you saw the finish, the, the finish video or the, the sort of the final video where the race organizer was just in tears, having to having to de, de, uh, DQ him. Um, just didn't want it to end. I think both the runners had said that they, or have said afterwards that they could, they wanted, they could have and wanted to go on longer. But um, yeah, maybe next time. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, just in, incredible. Anyway, like I, I think I slept two nights in whilst I was following it, and uh, and then and just still going, which was crazy. And um, and yeah, the the APAC representation uh, did really well. Um, yeah, uh, Will Hayward did uh, twenty eight uh, twenty eight hours. Uh, the hard thing about it, though, it, like I, I caught up with him beforehand, and um, and he's doing it from his front room. So after every lap, he was coming back to his front room, and there is like, and how how easy is just go right? Okay, I'm just going to move from this camping chair to the sofa. I'm done. That's it. Um, but yeah, incredible performance from him. And and Stephen Redfern down in a, down in Australia, he had um, a, a route that he was doing from his um, from his garage that um, he. Uh, I, I was like watching him as well. He was on a different feed because because Will was on the um, the elite feed and um, and yeah, I was watching him and he looked just so fresh. And obviously, I uh, I saw him at the um, four trails and I was just like, he looks like he's going to go on forever. And like, I, I posted into the um, Endurance Asia um, uh, Facebook page just saying, oh no, he's looking especially strong. Immediately after I posted that, he, uh, he DNF'd. So I think yeah, I jinxed him. Um, he still did. He still did the best part of 100 miles, I think. Yeah, so he, he did 24 hours, yeah, so which is exactly and then, 100 um, miles. But then he went on, what, this weekend just gone with another kind of, I mean, insane challenge of his own. Absolutely mental, yeah. So, um, I, yeah, he sort of, uh, he posted up a poll on his Facebook just saying... Um, Oh, this Easter weekend, what shall I? What shall I do? Because he's uh, he's got a long garage. He's like, shall I? Uh, shall I do a um, a hundred mile run in my garage, or should I do um, uh, or fifty mile or a hundred k? And then someone chimed in with, uh, yeah, how about you do eighty five k a day for four days over the Easter weekend? And uh, and then everyone voted for that one. It's like it's like um, which someone just posted in. And fucking hats off to him. Yeah, he did 360 kilometers. Um, yeah, on a 35-meter loop. On a 35-meter loop in his garage. Honestly, what an absolute lunatic. <laughs> what an absolute lunatic. Um, I just, 
and I think for and I think for all of these people that are doing it, um, one of the big things is just the support of their other halves and stuff. Like I, I'm interested to chat with Will about it, like how Sasha, like because coming home and he's like his uh, his wife and and two kids are there, and like they they pretty much and that, he did two nights, so they would have had to stay awake for the, the whole time that he was coming in and out. I mean, they were, yeah, they would have been uh, also massively disturbed by it. So. Yeah, I'm. I'm interested yeah. in how like you get support from your um from your better halves on on that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, but everyone seems to be finding their own ways of uh, of dealing with the restrictions and and coming up with with new and crazy challenges. I think there was the 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 other big one in Hong Kong over the weekend was this. I mean, I think I, I, I we haven't spoken to him yet, but I presume this was something he'd been planning for a while. But the the Everest Man Challenge. Yeah, I was um, I was blown away about that. Like, just also the um, uh, so it's Martin Guy who organises um, quite a lot of the um, the races in Hong Kong, the Green Race, etc. He sort of set up the page, and um, and a guy is uh, Mayank, isn't it? The one that was yeah. the f- so yeah. I, I'm interested to find out about the sort of genesis of that, and um, it, essentially, I mean, it's a yeah. it's a triathlon of Everest distance for each leg or Everest height for each leg, as far as possible. Yeah, I mean, obviously it wasn't Everest height, but for the Everest distance for the swim, so the 9,000 um, or nine kilometre swim, and then, yeah, and everything on the bike and everything on foot. Yeah. Incredible, like, what a cool idea. Like, I don't know why I hadn't thought about it. I know why I hadn't thought about it, because I can't fucking swim. But, um, <laughs> um, but yeah, that's such a, um, such a, a, a cool idea. Were you, so you, you followed it all? Yeah, I was following on, and then they had the live feed towards the end, uh, or at least that video of him, sort of 20 minutes from the finish. And he was looking good. Um, it'd be good to get him on and have a chat about it. Yeah, so 71 hours it did in total. So I, I wasn't quite sure of the concept, because normally you're not allowed to sleep um, whilst you're doing an Everesting. Um, so, but, he, but he was allowed to sleep between the bike leg and the run leg. Was he allowed to sleep, sleep between the swim leg and the bike leg, do you know? Or did he no, have no, to do those? Yeah, we need to um, yeah, find out more about it. But that's an incredible challenge. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he said it's like... It looked like the run was, was, was full conditions. Like your one at Bukatima, he was up and down on feet. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, logistically, it's actually really hard to do a because um, you're allowed to go run up and come down by some sort of transportation, but un, un, unless you're you're running up a mountain with a um, uh, with like a gondola coming down, there's like there's not really many ways you could do it, and unless you had someone driving with you for 24 hours, um, it would be pretty tough logistically, and most trail routes you'd do you just wouldn't be able to do that but um yeah. but yeah like in, in, in incredible effort um and yeah it would be good to, we're going to get him on the uh, on the podcast soon as well right to have a have a chat about it yeah absolutely he's um he's a lawyer right i seem to yeah i seem to yeah it looked um, like he'd had, some, he'd had some decent race results and done some decent challenges well i mean obviously he must have done no one no one gets out and suddenly decides overnight to to do a triple everest thing yeah yeah, no, that's um, that's cool. But I think that's uh, people being locked up. Their sort of imaginations run run wild on sort of like tough stuff they can do. Personally, well, this nice, is nice reminder of kind of what you've got on your back door. I mean, you know, everyone's everyone's horizons are shortened at the moment. I know everyone's looking forward to to travelling again when this is over. But it, you know, it's it's been really good for for appreciating what you have. Um, 
and, and thinking about how to, uh, how to get creative in the space you've got available. Yeah, and just, being, just still being able to go out and get out for a, a run or a, a bike ride. Or as you said, your brother in, um, in Europe and most people throughout Europe are under like serious, serious lockdown. So um, yeah, you know, we, we do need to be, to be grateful for that. Um, but yeah, I don't know about you, but I've like kind of lost a bit of motivation. I'm just like, ah, no, I'm just like, I want to maintain a baseline. Other than yeah. that, I'm just like, oh, okay, I can't be, um, because uh, I was actually, I, I'd, um, I'd sussed out a route to join the quarantine backyard. And, um, and then I just thought it's a bit irresponsible for like personally like with with kids and stuff to like yeah. push push myself that my immune system because i like I, I often fall sick after um just general colds and stuff after doing big races and uh and so i thought yeah. uh that that's my excuse anyway part of me was just like nah i can't be asked <laughs> i'd rather get pissed instead uh yeah i think my uh my, my training's gone down but my my drinking my my right arm's getting a workout i'm uh <laughs> but yeah i think i think when all this blows over there'll be uh i mean so many races have been cancelled haven't they and 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 people's travel plans put on hold i, I think there'll be a real real boon in, in in people getting back out there and uh rediscovering that kind of community spirit on the trails and yeah i yeah i think people are just gonna as you say you you realize what you've got on your own doorstep but then once people do manage to get back out to the big races they're just gonna I personally just cannot wait to get back into the, to the mountains somewhere. And I'm just, everyone's going to just, um, yeah, going to appreciate it that much more. Yeah. There was a, I don't know what you'd had planned for the rest of this year. I was, um, um, I'd got spot in H100. Um, I was like, yeah, really looking forward to that's like one of the toughest, um, toughest foot races in, um, in, in Asia. Um, and I've got a spot for that, but it's, yeah, it's and hardcore 100. It's at the end of May. And I don't think they've officially announced that it's not, not going ahead, but um, uh, it's, yeah, not going ahead, basically. I mean, it's going to be very, very difficult for them to, um, to, to still go ahead with that. But unless you're looking six months ahead, it's hard to imagine much going forward. I was supposed to get over and run OCC in Chamonix with my brother at the end of August, but, and again, that's not officially been cancelled. I mean, no, no sign that it will be, but it's just, it's just hard to imagine it happening. It's hard to imagine anyone kind of encouraging huge groups of people to fly into one place. Um, yeah, I, I, I can't see that going ahead. Yeah, they haven't, um, they haven't announced UTMB being cancelled as yet, have they? But yeah. yeah, as you say, there's just, uh, there's, especially you were like, like Chamonix has been hit pretty hard as well. Hasn't it? It was one of the sort of first areas to get, to get a few cases. And I think it like, it's been pretty bad. Yeah. I don't, I don't know about Chamonix itself, but yeah, there's, there's some of those ski resorts in Europe. And I, I think, it, it, you know, there's also just the issue of, you know, people weren't, you know, people weren't be able to book flights in advance. People won't have been able to train. I think there's every chance it'll just get postponed until next year. Yeah, I just hope that a lot of these um, race organisers can um, either get support from the government, be able to get some get some money back, because a lot of them would have, like all of the investment in these events goes in way before the actual event happens. So yeah, um, yeah hopefully they're able to to recoup some of their some of their costs. Um, and like for for those people that have signed up to events. Um, 
yeah, hopefully they'll just like, cause a lot of them have just been pushed out. They've, um, um, but yeah, I, I, I would hope that people that can afford it don't aren't asking for refunds. Um, you know, yeah. just try and allow these, um, um, these race organizers to sort of keep their, keep their head above water. And, uh, because we want all these races to be here for um for for years to come. Um I did catch up with Stephen Carr recently and he's um yeah they've they've pushed out yeah they've basically pushed pushed everything um pushed everything yeah. out. Um I know that he we always said that you're like yeah by hook or by crook they would um they would still run the country of origin but it's just uh that they've now said that there's not allowed I mean there's minimum maximum four people together. So even yeah. if they did staggered starts etc uh, but i just wonder like when it does come back what the kind of different um things they're going to put in place for all of the races like safety measures they'll be putting in in place for all the races i suppose it depends where where we're at in the cycle when the races start again you know if you're looking like a year from now if there's a vaccine then maybe it's kind of back 100 percent as normal as it was before but um yeah, it's hard to imagine people high-fiving on the side of the trail right now or, um, or being, you know, all, all closed in in a pen at the beginning. Um, but yeah, maybe, maybe as you say, maybe it's, it's, you know, things calm down a bit. There's staggered starts. Maybe there's a cap on the number of participants. Maybe it's all self-sufficient so that you don't have volunteers at aid stations. And um, yeah, it's hard to know. Yeah, and just uh, things like food and stuff at aid stations and even filling up water and, uh, yeah, whether they just, um, yeah, make sure everyone has to, you know, the new sort of race pack will include face mask, like essential uh, race, race equipment is, uh, is face mask and uh, I mean, um, alcohol wipes. Of the, of the sports that do come back, you know, it's not the, it's not the same as a team sport in a stadium where you've got you know hundreds of people packed in watching it you'd hope that sports like running and, and cycling where um you know people can be spaced out a bit would uh would come back sooner but yeah, it's hard to know yeah. having said that did you read there was an an article being shared around um around like germs being spread from uh from runners and cyclists and how like that they are like a kind of super spreaders and uh it was sort of it was sort of debunked after yeah. but um but having said that like as i say going running around singapore i've been avoiding the botanical gardens like i i run around the outside of it but if you go in there there's just so every man and his dog like literally every man and his dog um have just decided they're going to turn into runners and it's you you can't socially distance in yeah. there you just like uh, end up people like literally rubbing shoulders past you and so yeah it's kind of um uh kind of getting a bit out of control um yeah another thing that um that's sort of happened over the last couple of weeks is um is the hong kong four trails they've got the uh um so they've got the participant list for for next year um andre sort of said it's going it will be going ahead no matter what um and there's certain things that they'll be putting in place, like uh, limiting the size of your crews and uh, and staggered starts. And uh, there's, I mean, it's a small event, so it's the kind of thing that can still um, can still go ahead regardless of the um, of, of the measures the government's put in place. But so it's the reunion year, and so you've only got people that have either survived or finished in in uh, in prior years. And they had yeah. to send off an email at like exactly three p.m. last Saturday um to be able to uh yeah to be able to get in and 
yeah, it's going to be an, a, a truly impressive, uh, impressive field next year. And they're talking about breaking 50. Yeah, I saw this, this prize money up, sort of pretty much all the profits in the last few years of the race for anyone who can <laughs> on Robert Shaw's record. <laughs> yeah, what was that? that was brilliant, actually. That was, uh, uh, I'm sure he posted that on April Fool's Day, didn't he? Um, 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 yeah, well, oh, it, was a, it was a classic post. Um, yeah, um, yeah. Um, but there's, yeah, there's going to be, um, there's going to be a, a, a good, um, uh, a good field going, going out there. I saw Solomon Westine, he did a, um, he did 10 times Lantau Peak, uh, which is like the second highest peak in, in Hong Kong. Um, and uh, yeah, the splits were just mental. I mean, it's only 45k, but the, I think it was around three and a half thousand, four thousand meter elevation in, in, uh, and he just smashed it like overnight. Just, I tell you what, if any, yeah, there's going to be a, a, an amazing field out there with like, with, with Tomo and, um, um, and, uh, I think with, um, uh, who's the guy that's based out of the Philippines? Um, Christian, oh, Christian. I know, Christian. Yeah. yeah. He's going to be, uh, he's going to be coming back as well. So yeah, I'm excited to, um, excited to follow, follow that next year. Yeah, it'll be, uh, it'd be interesting just across the board, right? Seeing what races happen, which ones don't, which ones come back kind of sooner rather than later. And uh, I, I think you know, you're going to find some of them just massively oversubscribed because everyone's going to be desperate to get out and start running and, and competing again. Yeah, or I think you're just going to end up a lot of people coming up with their own challenges like they've been doing now. If there's, if there's no races, okay, there's going to be a lot more people doing things like Everest Man. There's going to be... Um, uh, well, we, talked about, we talked about doing our an adventure race here in Singapore, haven't we? Uh, yeah, uh, I think we can. I think we could still. I mean, we've sort of planned out a bit of a route for it and stuff. And um, um, I think, uh, yeah, the plan was to do it July, August. We'll obviously have to see, see how it goes, but um, we'll be able to do that without a massive. Group. I mean, I expected to sort of have like forty people or so, um, like twenty teams of two. Um, but yeah, it's back, um, back about the, the four trails. So Will Hayward, I think, is back in. And, uh, and yeah, we spoke to him the other day. We're going to be getting him on the podcast for the, for the next one as well. So he can hear his story about the quarantine, uh, quarantine backyard and, um, uh, and what, he's been, uh, what he's been up to. And, uh, and yeah, look, he's, uh, yeah, he's a top bloke. And, um, and yeah, we'll get, get my ink on from the, from the Everest, Everest man. Um, and then we've got a, uh, um yeah moira who's uh um yeah physio here in uh, in in singapore that we're going to be getting on soon so we've got a few good a few good ones lined up we'll uh we'll ramp it up over the uh over the next few weeks it's been a bit quiet the last uh, last few weeks while we've both been trying to like uh, get our get our companies uh sorted there's been a lot going on for both of us isn't there i think with everyone with their their their, their businesses are facing some challenges and trying to find the opportunities and um yeah, just hoping that this uh, that this sort of blows over as soon as possible. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Nice one. So um, we're going to hand over now um, to a podcast we recorded a, um, a few weeks ago before the uh, before the lockdown that, that you recorded. Yeah, yeah. So that's with Noor, who's the founder of Purpose, which is um, Singapore's first uh, homegrown uh, triathlon and, and sports apparel brand. Um, something we've talked about for a while is just kit that's built for for humid environments and we've had we've had 
John Ellis and people from T8 on before, but um, Norse started up Purpose here in Singapore. Um, we should talk a bit about his own background, how he got into to endurance sports, and then also how he how he pivoted to to launch his own brand. And it's uh, it's it's good. We, we you and I have been wearing some of their clothes recently. It's also a brand you see out more and more, certainly here in Singapore among the cycling community. And uh, yeah, just a nice little story of um, a homegrown success. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah, no, yeah, it's it's really cool stuff. Um, these are these are really nice guys from like marketing and advertising background and. Another example of someone that's like amateur uh, endurance athlete and just uh, turns their their passion into their into their career. Uh, but I I think it's just it's really good quality gear and um and yeah just hearing his sort of passion for it and the the purpose around it. I mean it's a uh, it's like an Asian brand that's looking to looking to grow internationally. I think um, yeah we should always support support asian grant brands and that are um that are sort of born locally is like i'm a massive fan of the of the t8 um t8 gear and um and the, and the sherpa shorts and and yeah so that's um support um it's good to support purpose as well and uh, i think it's really good cycling running and uh, and uh, and tri gear so um but yeah top guy so uh with that let's hand over to um to nor from purpose that's a truthful story if they ever ask no, welcome to the Endurance Asia podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's uh, it's great to connect with you. Um, we're here primarily. We wanted to talk to you um, about your your apparel brand, um, but really just to find out your own story, how this all came about. Um, so perhaps we could start there and just um, where you grew up, what your what your own background is. Well, all right, thanks. Um, I'm Singaporean. I grew up in Singapore. Uh, and then uh, around about a decade or about 12 years ago, I moved to Malaysia uh, for about eight years. Uh, while I was growing up, I actually took up running. I actually love, love, love running. And then, uh, but of course, at the age of, you know, after, after national service, I kind of like, you know, became youth, <laughs> started partying, stopped running do nothing familiar story being, yeah you know do nothing with my with, uh, with healthy living and then but only started picking up running again when i went to malaysia uh, because i think it's better roads you know yep. nicer trails nicer places to run in you know i suppose you're a bit more serious uh, with 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 life where where um, were you in malaysia i was in kl okay uh, i was there for you know, obviously to work and then uh, yeah so then i just started picking up running and then uh, you know it started with like 5k runs 3k runs 5k runs on my own and then uh, you know joined some groups and then it became 10k and then you know just took up marathons and it was you know marathons after marathons yeah so and then i only came back about 2014 or 2015 and that's when i started doing duathlon and triathlons because i just got tired of running yeah <laughs> and then i thought i'll just take up cycling so i just i did cycling and then after that, I thought I got tired of cycling and I thought, okay, I'll just do a duathlon because, you know, I, I, I combine can combine two. both yeah. stuff. And then it just went into triathlon and I, I just stayed in triathlon for a long time. And how, how seriously were you taking it? Were you, were you training quite hard for the, even back in Malaysia, were you training hard for the marathons? And yes, the marathon, yes, uh, for sure. I think, you know, uh, I would, uh, well, it's really more a, a casual hard training. You just run with friends. You just, yeah. you know, do your long distance run, runs on weekends. Uh, and then you just take up, you know, participate in races and all. It's only only when I started taking up duathlon and triathlon when I got really into serious training. 
other than that it's really just more in terms of okay you just do intervals on weekdays and then you just do long runs on weekends and then you just join whatever races in Malaysia yeah. there's a lot of races uh-huh. in Malaysia there's until now also there's practically a race every weekend so you'd go to like different states Malacca, Perlis, Pera, Penang mm-hmm. and all these different places you just drive up and then go to a race and then come back and start work again so it's really more like a casual but plus a little bit more serious uh, but I started getting into really serious training on um, uh, when I come back to Singapore when I started doing duathlons. And what what when you say really serious, what was that like? Daily, yeah, daily runs, daily cycles. Yeah, daily runs, daily cycles. Really following a training calendar. Really having like a scheduled training yeah. plan versus like you know I think I'll just do you know three k this tonight and then I'll, uh, tomorrow I'll just do you know five k. Oh my friend asked me to run, yeah. I'll run. You know, and then, oh, I, you know, so we just do, it's just hodgepodge of, you know, distances. You know, I think most runners still do that. I yeah. think it's just because really which, where are the friends, where they're doing. And then, so it's, it's really more like that. But as I get into duathlon and triathlons, I, 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 my, my training become more structured. Where, um, where do you think that desire to push yourself and compete was coming from? Had you always been quite competitive? In running, yes. Uh, I think in triathlon, still do. Uh, but it's just that I, I think I, I kind of like sucked at triathlon. I think I'm right. still good at running. <laughs> I see a lot more progress right. in all the training. I see a lot more progress in my runs than my cycling and my swimming. Uh, just that I think, uh, you know, because of that, I think I needed to follow a proper structure, you know, yeah. versus just focusing on my run only. I just wanted to try to balance off with, with cycling and, 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 and swimming. Did you did you notice any difference in the in the communities between Malaysia and Singapore in terms of the training? Were people taking it more seriously here or or there or? Yes, yeah. Uh, funnily enough, actually Singaporeans are a bit more. I think they are more serious in their training patterns. Okay. Uh, I think, well, it's also partly I think it's the size of the community. I think size, you know, mm-hmm. as as you get larger, you will always have a core a, a core set of people who are serious, and then but the core set of people then gets you know it expanded out into more like the you know the mass participation runners yeah. and i think because of the size of malaysia so you know there's more mass participation runners so there's a lot more groups that are less serious but out of you know but you still have a lot more core the same size of uh, people who are probably the core serious athletes uh, similarly i think that size is it's equivalent to what you see in singapore mm-hmm. you just don't see a larger mass 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 participation so as a result, you see a lot more groups, a lot more casual groups, a lot more casual runners in Malaysia. Mm-hmm. But I think from a core, serious athletes, those who are really serious in uh, you know, making themselves better in the, in the sports, it's about the same. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And, uh, and how, how far did you take that then with the duathlon training? And everything? What, what, what sort of events were you competing in? Well, I did a lot of duathlon. I mean, I did a few duathlons, uh, Meta Sprint, the one mm-hmm. that the racers here, some powermans in Malaysia before I finally decided, okay, I'll, 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 do, I'll do triathlons. Mm-hmm. You know, I, ju- I, just, I just do triathlon. That was about two years ago, okay. uh, two, two, three years ago. That was when I decided that I'll do triathlons. And then, uh, yeah, then after that, it started being, you know, actually my first triathlon was a straight away into a 70.3. Right. <laughs> because I just, I just not, I'm, I think by then I'm j- I was just wasn't used to shorter distances anymore. Okay. So I think maybe my, my fast twitch muscles just not working for sprint. Yeah. So I just, you know, I'm just used to marathons and I'm just used to like, you know, slow twitch, just focusing on myself, longer distances. So I think, and it just 70.3 was just a natural transition. Yeah. yeah. And that felt pretty easy to you then at the time or? Uh, the swimming was hard. The swimming part was, was, was hard, okay. uh, but uh, everything else was fairly okay. Fairly yeah. easy. Yeah. 
And, uh, and then you said earlier that you, you sort of backed off the training a bit. You're not competing as much now, but mm. what, what, what drove that? About two years ago, uh, well, I was, I mean, well, I was doing purpose and I think we were basically present at every Ironman, almost every Ironman races in Singapore, I mean, in Malaysia. So I think, and I was at the same time, because we were present, we were also doing, uh, I was also racing at the same time. Yeah. So about two, two Ironman Langkawis ago, two, two years ago, I, I, I discovered it was just too taxing for me. It was just too much. I was still running around on a Saturday, the day right. before the race, and I was still, you know, planning for, for stuff, packing, unpacking, you know, trying to sell stuff, yeah. sell things. And then I, I just decided, I think either I, you know, to, to basically tweak down my, my, my races and then just okay. focus only on uh, trying to build yeah. purpose. Yeah. Okay, well, let's, let's backtrack a bit then. So, so, so where did the idea for, for starting your own apparel brand come from? I was, I was an... I was at an OCBC cycle event. Uh, I, I, took, I, I registered for it and then I went to the OCBC Expo. Uh, and then I thought, you know, because I mean, I, I was holding senior, senior roles in, in agencies at the time. So I had access to a lot of like, you know, really good quality stuff, yeah. supposedly good quality, good quality kits, good quality jerseys. And I paid for them, the, you know, all the, the, the brands. And then, but I, I felt that there was still something missing. I just felt that, you know, there's still something that I wanted to go after that, you know, that, that is more comfortable, something better, you know, but I, then I, I thought, you know, maybe at the OCBC Expo that has, that, you know, with the widest range of vendors and all, I might be able to find something that is worthwhile that mm -hmm. I'll pay for, and I still can't find any. And that's when I decided, okay, I'll just make myself. <laughs> what, was, what was not working for you about the kit you had? It was just too warm. Yeah. It was just too warm. I think it's. I think it, I felt that you know. I sweat a lot, uh, especially in running, uh, cycling because of the wind. You don't. Mm -hmm. You don't feel like you're sweating, but I. But I. I sweat a lot, um, so I felt that you know it didn't absorb my sweat quickly, and uh, you know so I. I. I knew that I wanted to. I wanted a certain set of fabric that that just feel good on my body. Yeah. At the same time, also of course it has to look good, uh, and I just could not find you know, jerseys, cycling jerseys at the time uh, to, to, to match what I wanted, to right. meet what I wanted. But I guess kind of recognizing that there, there was a gap in the market and then deciding you might be the one to fill it, is, that's quite a jump, right? Did you have any background that made you feel like you knew what you were going to do? I have no background in product design. I have background in advertising. I right. came from advertising. So, you know, and I also it came at, a, at an intersection where I got really tired of working in advertising. I got really tired of you know building other people's brand. I yeah. just, I just, I just, maybe at the back of my mind, I was always wanting you know maybe in a couple of years before that, I've always wanted, I've always thought about something, you know what is it that I that that would be purposeful for me? Mm -hmm. That's something that I would want to do from a from a business perspective as well. Uh, just that I haven't found what I wanted to do. It was at that time, I suppose the intersection just crossed mm -hmm. and I thought okay this is something worthwhile I love the sports I love cycling I love running yeah so why not do something and you weren't it? worried about turning your passion into your your business was I worried yeah I mean it sounds like you've had to you're not you're not competing as much as you were because you're busy with the business but yeah it's a, a worthwhile trade-off uh yeah I would say I would say it's worthwhile I think I'm living a lot of my life through what other what I see other people doing okay I think that's that's a that's a great trade-off yeah, yeah. So the goal was when you set out. I mean, what was your what was your vision? What, what did you think you could do? Just fill that gap. Do you have any idea where you wanted to take the brand? 
Uh, well, the, the first goal was, of course, just to be the brand where sophistications look to mm-hmm. and then says, okay, this is exactly the brand that, uh, that, that I want. And this is really from Southeast Asia. And is, is there anyone else doing sim- similar things? I mean, you, yeah, I think there are a few smaller, small, I, mean, I wouldn't say smaller. I think we, we yeah. are just as small. Uh, a, a few independent brands as well, but they do more custom designs. Okay. They, don't, they, don't, they don't create their own designs. Right. They don't develop their own uh, products. They actually just you know, uh, have a supplier that, okay. that does custom designs. I mean, we, know, we know some of the guys behind um, T8, uh, running yeah. a brand up in Hong Kong, but yeah. I don't think there's many others that are yeah. trying to customize kit for this yeah. kind of climate, right? Yeah. It, it is, and I think, and I think that's that's the that's the that's where the gap is. You yeah. know, I think we look okay because also partly because I came from advertising, yeah. and I look at all the data, you know, user behavior, and all. And I've always I felt that we've always looked outside, and I think, you know, with the way things are moving, with Asia being the next supposedly the next uh, millennial mm-hmm. millennium, uh, you know, powerhouse. I think it's about time we have you know, South Asian brands or even Asian brands that that plays. You know, mm-hmm. up to that level, it's, it wasn't my goal when I first started. I just wanted to just make products that people love to wear. Yeah. Uh, just uh, over time, as I you know, as, as as it picked up, you know, then you know, my goals became larger. Yeah. You know, yeah, and yeah. then it, you know, just became loftier. I would say. Yeah. I mean, we've talked to we've talked to quite a few people on the podcast who who do you know amazing endurance um, events themselves, and we've talked about how you know they they feel that that training and 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 pushing themselves in that way then helps them in business but i guess you're the first person we've had on who's taken that experience of of pushing themselves and training hard and so on and then turned it into a business that's all about Mm. endurance sports so it's kind of ironic but i guess um i guess you weren't that uh daunted by what what was to come because you you'd you'd been working away for years you knew you knew that it was going to be hard work um yeah i think I, I knew I, I I wouldn't say that I knew that it is going to be hard work. I, I have a goal of what, of what okay. of what thing you do. I just feel that I just needed to work towards it. Mm. Uh, maybe it's hard work, uh, but I feel that you know it, I, I I just am really you know ready to make it work. Yeah, yeah. What um what kind of feedback were you getting from the other people that you were training with and competing with? Did you, did you feel that they w- would be your target market for this kind of kit? Yeah, at, at the start there was a lot of feedback. Also, okay. also because I was starting and I, you know, I, I mean, I've, I have not done, I've, I've, I don't have any product design background. Right. I don't have any cycling kits design background. Yeah. I don't have any fashion design background. So at the start I had a lot of feedback. Okay. And I, 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 I <clears throat> in fact, even when I look at the, the first kits or the first design that I came out with, the product, the first products that I, that I came out with and I thought, well, this is, you know, really, such a different world. Yeah. Uh, but I think as we get better, I think as, as I, I, I listen to their feedback and then we implement it and you know, we, we started putting it into the new, uh, the, the more updated range. Yeah. Uh, the feedbacks get lesser and lesser, but it became more of a showing the love rather than, uh, rather than uh, you know, how to improve on it. it. Yeah. Yeah. So what did you start with? You started with tri-kit? You started with cycling gear? I started with cycling. Okay. I uh, started with cycling about six, four, we, we launched cycling for about six to eight months. And then uh, we went into TriKit because okay. uh, I think at that point I was doing triathlon. I was, you know, transitioning into triathlon myself yeah. from duathlon. Uh, so I was transitioning into triathlon myself, and I felt that I was I'm the perfect person to try the kids right. uh, at races. And then at the same time, also I was looking for uh, a different supplier that can make uh, better products yeah. than the supplier that I'm already using. Uh, and then that supplier happens to be focused on doing tri- triathlon suits. 
So it just felt, again, you know, it just felt right. Right. They know, okay, I got the right supplier and they do cycling kits as well. And a lot of the fabric that they are using, that they are giving me access to, is more triathlon suit fabric, which can be used for cycling. So we started, you know, I would say uh, testing out, uh, bringing over some of the tri suits fabric into cycling and uh -huh. uh, testing out, you know, some, some cross pollination of, uh, of, of the way the, the jerseys and the tri suits are constructed. Uh, and then it just, you know, move on from there. And so for someone who's got no background in product design, how do you even get started with that? Is that, are you there? Are you tapping into the community of athletes that you know? And, you know, who do you know that designs some, you know, where do you get started? Oh, well, I think uh, the first few is, of course, the, 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 the manufacturer is the best, mm -hmm. uh, you know, tapping onto them uh, because they would already have their experience. You just ask them of, uh, with a few questions. I, I actually visited and I, I got turned down by a few manufacturers as well because I asked too much questions, right. you, know, you know, kind of like, you know, can it be done? Can it be this? Can it be that? And then also at the same time, I also turned down other manufacturers because they could not answer me yeah. what I wanted to, you know, the, with the right answers that I wanted to have. Uh, so it's really more, you know, uh, it's really just learning on the go. Yeah, it's really learning on the go. Yeah. And uh, how did you start marketing the brand then? When you got when you the first kit rolls off the production line, I guess you you start wearing it when you're out and about. And yeah, yeah, online. Uh, yeah. I think in this day and age, online is the yeah. thing, right? So yeah, and then we start wearing it out and about. I know of a few cyclists who are great, great cyclists in their space, Alan Bradley mm -hmm. uh, and a, a few others uh, that I know. And then I, I just pass them my kits yeah. for them to try on. Uh, so they love it. They like it. Of course, yeah. some, with some feedback, uh, they like it. And then they started supporting the brand. Uh, so and then, you know, it, we just, you know, started working together. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And then you, I think you mentioned it got picked up by but it was used in Ironman by some of the top guys there, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the one, I mean, the most notable ones, of course, is uh, Dr. Dan Plus, mm -hmm. uh, the one that won uh, the 2018, 2018, yeah, 2018 uh, age group Ironman, uh, new rec new world record stuff and uh -huh. all. So I think that, that that's the most notable one. We're still working together. Okay. So How did uh, he get hold of the, of the kit? Uh, he has, he still has yet to tell me. Uh, he emailed me saying somebody recommended him. Okay. Yeah, and then he was... I, if I can recall properly, uh, was that he? I remembered him saying that you know he's 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 got Kona coming up. He's made a few custom kits before uh, during that time, and yeah. I tried it at a few races, but it didn't it did not uh, meet his standards. So he was saying, you know, I hope. Yeah, he was very apologetic when he said, I hope you know uh, if I'm being skeptical, you know, you you accept it because yeah. I've spent uh, you know. A, quite a sizable fortune on trying to make custom kits and right. this is like the last one uh, that I'm trying to uh, and then so yeah so and then I made it for him he tried it out he likes it and then yeah, he, yeah, he wore it at Sunshine Coast for his uh, test race which he won I think and then he loves it and then he, wear, he wore it at Kona which of course he won right. again so that's uh, and what's, what's the general principle then behind the kit like if you're, if you're designing for humid and hot weather mm. I guess you're trying to get the sweat away quicker. Mm. What, what, are you, what, are you, what are you looking to do? Uh, to me, it's actually, it's actually uh, high air flow through. Uh, okay. Really, you know, I think one of the features that I, that I absolutely love, which we stumble, but we then focus on uh, a lot more after that would be, you know, finding a, a fabric that gives a superbly high air flow through. Uh -huh. So yeah, you sweat. I think you cannot sweat, stop people from sweating. Uh, wicking happens, uh, and I think most fabric does that. Just that whether or not you know uh, it can still keep keep you cool right. as you're wearing it. And I think 
uh, that was what I kind of uh, you know stumble upon, and then we just focus on, and then we just make better, uh-huh. and that's the kit that uh, Dr. Dan Plus wear. Uh, so I think it's actually one of the. Uh, I think that what I focus on is still the high high right. air It's still it still is the focus that we do now. Yeah, yeah. And have you have you tried to give it like a, a local identity, Southeast Asian identity, in the in the terms of what you're producing? We we tried. Uh, at, at the start, you know, by, by, by either naming the products a little bit more Asian. Uh-huh. In fact, I think the word purpose itself, right. the name, the brand purpose itself is actually an Asian identity. Okay. Um, uh, how, I think it's because I think with, with Asian cultures, the reason why I didn't come out with like, you know, more international, mm-hmm. international brand names <clears throat> was that I felt that I wanted to really, it to really resonate with Asian cultures. Mm-hmm. And I think with Asian cultures is that I think we've always, you know, been in, you know, there's always something within us. We grow up thinking, you know, there's, there's always a sense of purpose. Yeah. You know, you know, whether or not our purpose is for religion, for culture, for to serve the society, to help others. It's, it's very much ingrained in Asian cultures as a mm-hmm. whole. I, I, I can't speak for, you know, mm-hmm. Europe or America because I, I don't grow up there. Maybe there is, it, there is some, mm-hmm. but I know from, from Asian culture, it's always something that we have that. And then I think that's how you know, uh, I came with the name. Right. So I think that, that the name alone is actually a, a, an Asian inspired. Yeah. Yeah. So, so where are you at now? You've got, you do your cycling kits, you've got your tri kits and mm. you've just launched running, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We just, we just launched running last, last weekend. Yeah. Uh, back to back. Very, very tiring. So I skip, see, see now I have a, I have training, but I have to completely skip training because, you know, I have to be in Singapore and then came, come back, pack up, go to Malaysia, right. sleep or, you know, set up for Malaysia and then, open up, uh, you know, to, to do the launch in, uh, in, in Malaysia. And coincidentally, we were also, we are also, uh, uh, I would say, launching in India. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm not going, which is this weekend. Because if, I, if I'm going this weekend, then I'll be like, you know, two weekends back to back. And it's, it's, it's superbly hard work. Uh, so I got guys who are, who are going and, uh, you know, and taking for care the, of this. For the running kit, it's the same principle, it's airflow. Because I, mean, I guess with yeah. running, you're competing with just with, for the guys at least, you're, you're competing yeah. with just... Guys who can just run with no shirt and they don't have yeah. to deal with any airflow. But yeah, that's 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 the thing, right? Yeah. Because you know, so I think that's 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 so we're competing against that. Right. So far, the feedback has been good, but again, I think long-term reviews will always you know decide whether or not we mm-hmm. change or we improve and what do we need to improve. Yeah. I think it's really more of a mid to long-term reviews that I'm waiting yeah. for. I think the, the the first touch is the what I've heard is that people say, oh, it it feels like paper. It's very light. Okay, you know, it's 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 really nice. Yeah. Uh, just that I think you know it's only long term review that we will know. Yeah. Mm. And so just just moving away from purpose slightly, and looking at more big picture, like you, so it was a pretty bold thing to do is to to, to to launch your own business. Do you think that do you think that endurance background helped you then? Yeah, uh, I think the okay. I think the the ability to. Okay, I feel that I, I, I enjoy running. I enjoy my one hour runs. I enjoy my two hour runs. Yeah. I feel that that is my me time. Yeah. You know, and I feel that, uh, that the ability to just close off everything and just focus on that one hour and focus on that mm-hmm. two hours help with the business because it, it really helps with like, you know, you know just basically in being able to internalize a lot of things. Yeah. I think to run a proper business, you need to be able to internalize a lot of things. I think there's a lot of distraction. Everybody thinks they know better. Right. Right, but there's a lot of distraction in that way. So you need to be able to, I feel, to be able to internalize a lot of things. I think people who, who are comfortable with being able to run alone for hours at a time yeah. are the ones that I think are able to, you know, they are able to internalize themselves. 
and I guess also the idea that you're you're always seeking to improve, right? That, yeah. that you're iterating each time, you're getting better and better. Hopefully, yeah. you're learning what does work, what, yeah. did, what didn't work. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. Mm. And um, what would you do differently then if you were starting over? Have you learned a lot along the way? Uh, yes, uh, of, of course. Uh, I think every, you know everything is a learning experience. I've learned a lot. Um, if I were to start over, what would I do differently? Um, I don't know if there's anything different, but I would think I would say in terms of how I approach uh, the business side of things, the financial side of things. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I think you know, I think that's that's that to me is really totally out of my league. Mm -hmm. I, I don't come from a financial background as well, uh, and it's something that you know I think you know to to learn. Uh, so uh, financial uh, to me is actually much more difficult than for me to learn design. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think if there's anything, it'll be more in terms of you know how to approach the business properly when I talk to investors or you know when when you know people offer me to invest in the company. You know, mm -hmm. uh, but I think it. But that's that's really more the business side of things, and I I think that's that's something that I need to you know get better at. And what about what about growing a brand here? Like in terms of have you got ambassadors that you're working with or people that. You're, you're providing with kit to get out there and test it, or how does that work? Yeah, we we still do. Uh, we had ambassadors. In fact, when I first started, I had to, you know, really bring in um, ambassadors. Yeah. The biggest challenge, of course, was like trying to get people to believe in your brand, and right. you, are to you are totally nobody, you know. So of course, you know, get got some to be convinced, and then we just you know market the hell out of it. Yeah. Uh, and then now many people are coming just to volunteer themselves as ambassadors. Uh, so we still use ambassadors, uh, but I think I think the focus of the business now is a little bit more different. Mm -hmm. uh, I think now we have a bit more focused with, you know, trying to break into the international space. And I think with the international space, you need more international heroes. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm just very lucky to still have Dan Plus. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, a few others, I think there's a couple more that will be coming on board. Yeah. Uh, so I'm just very lucky that way. Uh, to to have them come over and they say okay I'll, I'll wear yours and I, I love you know give them a sample kits they love it they did their review they say okay yeah fine we'll we'll work we'll work it on a yeah. longer term so I'm 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 happy that it's turning out that way I I can't say their names now okay. uh, until until we know for sure uh, so it's a bit more so if anything at all I feel bad I feel bad that I have to turn so many people down yeah you know because that's how I started I started with like you know working with the grass at the grassroots and you know finding local heroes now it's like almost saying that you know I'm forgetting all the local heroes but actually I haven't it's just that I need to focus on yeah you know internalizing the internationalizing the brands uh, so as a result you know with only so much money that I have so mm -hmm. the focus obviously shifts above yeah and then you know it means that I need to you know Can't do turn down yeah turn yeah. down some people that I would love to have them yeah. on board but just that you know I, I can't yeah true I can't and I guess you still get a kick seeing seeing people wearing the brand right when you're out and about yeah, yeah always always it's amazing you know I could be in a taxi right yeah. <laughs> and I'm seeing a cyclist with like, hey, purpose you know I'm running yeah. and I see someone else you know running next to me hey purpose do you stop, do you stop them and tell them I, I don't tell them. I would yeah, just yeah. say, "Hey, how's the kid going?" Yeah. And it's like you get I always feedback. Yeah. yeah, and like one time I was in a Bintan Ironman race. It was so funny. So I was running behind this guy, and he was wearing purpose. And I, I managed to you know obviously catch up with him, and then we ran side by side for a while. And I say, "Hey, how's the kid? Do you mm -hmm. like it?" So yeah, I love it, man. It's really very cool. But of course, I didn't tell him who I was. Yeah. Then they say, "Oh, cool, man. Yeah, yeah. I hope you enjoy it." Say, then after that, he just knew. 
yeah. went off. So yeah, it's, it's, it's great. That's fun. And was, was Bintan the last Ironman you did? Langkawi was the last one. Okay. Uh, that's, that's a terrible, terrible time. I think uh, my, my nutrition was all whack. I, I told my coach, I just, you know, I kind of like know now what I need to yeah. eat. And I think swimming is my, like, my worst, okay. worst, worst enemy. Who do you, who's your coach? Who uh, Colin, Colin O'Shea. Okay. Yeah, so he's, he's quite, quite good. He's a, yeah. he's a nice guy, very good coach. Uh, I think he's, he gets on me all the time. Yeah. And I, I, I absolutely hate it when I get phone calls from him on a Monday. Because I know I'm, I know what I missed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, like, oh my god, the teacher's calling me up and he's gonna give something to me. But I, I know it's it's good that you yeah. have someone pushing who, you. pushing me, right? And then yeah. I, yeah. So it's it's good that I have someone to do that because if not, I can be so focused on the business that I totally say, oh, right. I, I'll just forget it. Yeah, you know. But I, I needed that, and and I think that's. You know that was what I wanted, and that I, I had a previous coach before, yeah. but he was a bit more slack. Okay. He was like, you pay him less, and then uh, but you hardly hear from him. <laughs> and then I said, oh, I wanted a, a coach who's more interactive, who's yeah. really who's really hands on, and so I got it. And I get a phone call from him every Monday, <laughs> just saying, keeping you honest. <laughs> yeah. What's been uh, What's been your performance you're most proud of in terms of races? Uh, okay, actually more marathons than anything else. Okay. I think my Tokyo marathon. I think yeah. I, I think that was really out of. Uh, I think it was, uh, I mean, I, I did about a four hour plus. It's, yeah. it's fairly slow, not very fast, but I think fast enough for someone of my age. Uh -huh. um, so I think that was, that was good. I think that was, that was about seven years ago. Okay. And then, uh, you know, then since I transitioned into duathlon and triathlon, somehow my running has not been as well, but right. that's only because I was, I'm more focused on, yeah. you know, conserve, you know, doing more, you know, putting more of my energy into cycling and uh, swimming. But yeah. my marathons is one of my... Do you still have um, like bucket list races you, you want to do? Marathons? Or, about uh, Ironman or, or Ironmans? Or? Yeah, marathons for sure. Yeah. Uh, those are in the bucket list. Uh, Ironman, I would love to try Morocco. Yeah. I think it's a new race. Uh, I would love to try Morocco. I think so only because I wanted to go to Morocco right. as a tourist as well. Yeah. yeah. And most of, the, most of the races you did, most of the marathons are around Asia or are you traveling the world? Or? I've, I've done Tokyo. I've done Berlin. Yeah. Uh, I think I think that's a couple more. I cannot remember. That was even before Tokyo and, and, and Berlin where I, yeah. I did in Europe. I've not done anywhere in the US. I, okay. I, might, I might consider it uh, if when purpose breaks through. Yeah. Uh, I might, you know, just take it as part of the entire yeah. you know, race schedule. Uh, but it will probably be marathon than Ironman and anything else. I think marathon is really more uh, something that I'm much more comfortable with. Yeah. yeah. So your goal of the brand is, is global, obviously, eventually, but yeah. how, are you, how are you planning to strategize across Asia? Are you? Uh, well, Southeast Asia is our home ground. Yeah. I, 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 when I say Southeast Asia, our home ground is that I, 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 we still hold on to it very, very strongly. Yeah. We sell direct. Uh, outside of Asia, uh, then we can, you know, or at least outside of Southeast Asia, then I will look at distributors that I work with, yeah. uh, and then, uh, you know, work with people. Surprisingly, I actually got offers. I've, I got offers from people who have one purpose, mm -hmm. and then they somehow are in the business, and then they said, you know, they would be interested to carry purpose mm -hmm. in, say, Europe, Spain, Portugal. Uh, we are actually we are actually doing a teaser release in uh, Miami. Okay. in February uh, and also at uh, Ironman Texas in, in April uh -huh. uh, just teasers just through people who are in the business yeah. and then they, they, they see potential in bringing the, 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 the items there so we will tease it out for that. so yeah. it's I have to leverage on people who actually believe in the brand yeah. more than anything else Yeah, it's not so much to me the business is not I, I don't want 
the first thing that I always tell people uh, that I always tell the guys who, who who have approached me is that I think working with large distributors it's it's I'm not there at that moment at this moment yeah. I really I, I think I prefer to work with guys who have used purpose who are who believe in the in the brand as well yeah it's not just about the numbers it's about you know making people making others believe in purpose yeah it's interesting and so obviously you've become a bit of an expert in in kit and kit manufacture and all the rest of it the last few years what about non-purpose kit do you swear by any any products you'd recommend that you know uh well i what is, what are the non-purpose kits that I wear? I think you my know, I don't have any the running shoes that you use or any. Okay, any my running is, shoes. Yeah, I tell you, I swear by New Balance. Yeah. I try. I, I I I know everybody's going on into the whole Nike, right. uh, then whole Nike X next percent thing. Yeah, uh, I tried a couple before I decided. I actually went back to New Balance. I yeah. I I went an entire circle, you know. So I went. I started with Nike, and then moved on to Brooks. And and then after that, uh, New Balance, where I got a lot of my PVs on my New Balance. Okay. And then of course, I just wanted to try other shoes. Yeah. So you know, it's always like it's and it's not. I don't I don't own many shoes. I just yeah. I would actually in my cupboard I would just have like two shoes. Which which New Balance model is it? Uh, yes. right now. Oh, I forgot. It's the new ones. Uh, and <laughs> we can post the uh, Fuel Cell. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. The New Balance Fuel Cell Impulse. Okay. Uh, and the Fuel Cell. Uh, Oh shit! I forgot. Rebel. Okay. The Rebel is for my long distance. Yeah. Uh, fuel cell impulse or visit fuel cell propel that I use for my shorter distance. Yeah. I only use these two. Uh, so and I I would use them to death and then I decide whether I want to switch over, uh, switch over to another brand. If I do another brand, then I would uh, get also the shorter distance and the longer distance ones. Yeah. Uh, so I I do that. But so far the fuel cell has been uh, the New Balance fuel cell has been quite nice on yeah. my feet. Yeah. Yeah. I try. I I actually tried the 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 Nike. Uh, next percent and all. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I didn't like it. I yeah. don't know why. I don't know why. Everybody says it, but I, I don't know. Why. Well, that's good because they're probably going to ban it from certain events <laughs> at some point. Yeah. So yeah, you're yeah, safer yeah. with your New Balance. Yeah, what so you do? So, so what does your training schedule look like at the moment? We squeezed around work, obviously, but you're doing yeah a couple of distance runs a week. Yeah, correct. So well, right now, well, it's going to pick up for sure because it's it's been quite a loud period. That's so yeah. I think. And uh, my next race is in Desaru. Uh, okay. The Desaru uh, Ironman. Yeah. Uh, so right. So right now it's, it's the first one there. They haven't done that there before, right? Haven't done that. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited to see. Yeah. It. Yeah. I'm excited. So you know, right now my r- swim is on Monday, bike and run is on Tuesday, strength work on Wednesday, run on Thursdays. Sometimes I get off days on Fridays. Sometimes I get a run on Friday and yeah. then long ride on Saturdays. And a long ride on uh, Sundays. Yeah. But I'm sure in the next couple of months, uh, it will be a lot of double sessions. Yeah. Double sessions in uh, in in uh, in the in the week. Yeah. And then yeah. Uh, then it gets really tough. <laughs> then then I'll be cursing all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, what about in closing? I mean, what about advice for people who, you know, also want to start something on their own? What would you say to them? I think go ahead and start it. I think a lot of I think a lot of people that I hear that I hear a lot of people is that, oh, I, I wanted to do it, I want to do it, but something is stopping me, you know, whatever reasons that they have. And I, I, I think you should just do it anyway. I think if it's, even if it's not, if it just started out as a passion project, mm-hmm. I think it's, that's, that's how it is, right? I think you don't start, if, if you are running, you don't start straight away into a marathon. Yeah. You start 3K, you start 2K, and then you move on to 5, then 10, and then, you know, move on. Same as if you are into yoga, totally non-impact at all, right? So mm-hmm. you don't straight away do the whole, yeah. range of movement you do 
you know simple classes first and then you move on so mm-hmm. i think i think even start it out as a passion project first just yeah. do something as a passion project and then and then you you know you 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 learn as you go along and then you decide after you learn whether or not you know you are ready to take on larger chunks out of what you are doing yeah i think that's that's the best way i think a lot of people a lot of people stop themselves because they think they need to straight away go head on into it but it's it's not necessarily so yeah yeah so it's you 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 almost always start as a passion project first yeah mm. great mm. well i look forward to uh testing out the kit yeah giving it a try i've been right. looking for uh, yeah. something that doesn't disintegrate in the humidity so that's great <laughs> but uh thank you so much for making yeah. time now thanks rick all right go go tell the truthful story if they ever ask stop the complaining because things ain't that bad